Well, hello, and welcome to the Perspective Podcast, where we explore money through a spiritual lens. I'm Elle, a certified financial planner and a witchy old soul who just so happens to be going through a spiritual awakening myself. I launched this podcast to provide practical tips for stepping into your own wealth, purpose, and sovereignty as you navigate your own spiritual awakening. I lean on my own experiences in finance to look at money through the lens of energy, spirituality, science, and intuition. You'll gain financial knowledge to step into your soul's highest purpose and prosperity through a combination of episodes focused purely on financial terms, but also we'll explore a variety of spiritual topics as they relate to your money and wealth. If you're ready to step into ease and flow in your financial life and let that ripple across every single aspect of your life, stay tuned. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Perspective Podcast. I'm Elle, your host, and today I'm going to chat with you a little bit about debt. I've talked about investing into stocks, but I have not discussed how to handle debt responsibly. And this is an area that I see so many people struggling with, um, especially when we're in a time coming out of COVID where people's incomes and lifestyles and situations changed dramatically during the last two years, myself included. And I think it's time to chat a little bit about debt because it is so pervasive in our culture and our society. And it may not be that way in every country across the world, but it definitely is in the United States. And debt is just so readily available. Um, There are really strong opinions on debt. You have Financial gurus like Dave Ramsey, who make debt seem like the devil, literally put the fear of God into you. And we live in a society where we did not grow up learning about debt. We didn't learn the first thing about debt as children in school. Our parents may have never discussed debt and the ins and outs and how it works. And so we're just a bunch of children running around uncertain about how to use it properly. And that's why you see such sky high levels of student loans and credit cards, credit card debt, as well as people having even defaulting on their mortgages, which is really sad. Well, if we look at the history of debt, it has a bit of a dark past. And I think that's where the negative connotation around debt comes from. Because Debt was used to control people. And the idea of indentured servitude, I know you guys have heard that term before, really was all about debt. It was a form of labor. It was a contract between two people where you worked to repay a loan within a set period. So that was somewhere around the 17th century. During that time, you couldn't get a business loan. If you needed a loan, you had to give yourself as a human being, which to me is basically a form of slavery, right? Indentured servitude is a form of slavery. And so the origins of debt are quite nefarious. They're not good. And it was only in the last hundred years where people were able to rise out of their situation and their class by using debt in a more positive way by being able to access debt because the wealthy already had access to debt and they were using it to get richer and richer. But in the 
basically in the 19th, 20th centuries, people were able to access debt to grow and expand their businesses. And the idea of capitalism really came to include this idea that you can access money to grow and benefit your business, which will then in turn grow the economy. And that's where we are today, where almost anyone has access to debt. And thankfully, at least in the United States, indentured servitude does not exist, except on in you know the secret black market. Um, but it does exist in other countries still today, which is really sad. And so, look, debt isn't all good. <laughs> um, there's a lot of negatives to this idea of debt, and it's swung so far on the spectrum now from helping people to really hurting them and enslaving them in a different way in our current systems and institutions. And you guys know I'm always talking about our systems and institutions and how much I need, I think they need to change. And for me, debt is no exception. I think there have to be limits put in place on debt, but how do we get out of this system when our country is billions of dollars in debt, just like many other countries across the world. And so from a micro level to a macro level, debt is a problem. And in this Aquarian age, we're going to be redesigning and reimagining how we can use debt more responsibly. And that's what this episode is about today. So debt is actually pretty easy to understand. It's the concept that you are borrowing money from an institution or another person to benefit you in some way. You can absolutely set up a personal loan with someone and that is considered debt, but you can also enter into an agreement with a financial institution to take a loan. You can enter into an agreement with a credit card company. You can enter into an agreement with a corporation and purchase a bond, which is a form of debt. So there are a lot of different ways to look at debt and to define debt. So today I just want to break down the different types of debt and then talk about the pros and cons of each and my take, a conscious perspective on how we can use this in a more sustainable way in our lives to help improve our lives and not feel entrapped by debt. So as we move into the new earth and this new time, I don't think debt is going to disappear. I just think people are going to be more conscious in how to use it for their benefit and the benefit of others around them. In the past, it hasn't always been that way. Um, There's been so much smoke and mirrors around how debt actually works and what you're actually paying in terms of interest rates. It's very hard to understand and hard to get to the bottom of the numbers and how much you're actually paying for something over time. And I think The more transparency, the better, and you're going to see that changing going forward in this new era. So let's talk about the types of debt. Let's talk about secured debt first. Secured debt is when you are purchasing a property or an asset as collateral. That asset is pledged to the institution if you default. So as an example... I decide to take out a home equity line on my house and the collateral is my home. If I default on that, it is my home. A mortgage, the collateral is my home. Foreclosure means that your collateral is being taken over by that institution because you could not pay your payments. 
So it's a pretty major responsibility when you take on some level of secure debt because you're basically saying, hey, if I can't pay, you get this asset. And in some cases, what you could have been paying on it for 20 years. Think how much equity and how much sweat and time you put into that, paying all of those payments. You could have put hundreds of thousands of dollars into this asset, but if you don't own it outright and the bank, you still owe the bank or the institution money and you stop paying, it becomes theirs. So I'm not saying I agree with that system. I definitely don't, but that's the way of the world. And that's why debt has this connotation of enslaving and entrapping people. Because if you think about it, you are beholden to that institution for sometimes 15, 20, 30 years. More often than not, people take out a mortgage, purchase a home, pay on it for a while, and then go and purchase another home with another 30-year mortgage. So Americans are often in debt for 40 or 50 years of their lives. And if you have this kind of secure debt, you are beholden to that institution in some way because you technically don't own your property outright. And it's easy for us to forget that as Americans because you know, we buy a home and we say it's ours, but technically it's not really ours, right? If it's secure debt, I live in a home with a mortgage. I like to think it's mine, but I realize that if I were to stop paying on it, I would lose this place. So no pressure, right? So anything that can be used as collateral is considered secure debt. Now, this is a type of, there's another type of secure debt that some people do not know exists that I see a lot in the wealth management space. And this is a, when you take your brokerage account and turn it into collateral. So certain institutions call it a loan management account. And the way it works is that if you have a taxable investment account, let's say you own a basket of stocks and the account is worth, let's say $200,000 and you've been adding money to that taxable account for 15 years and you've been saving money there. Um, you can actually use that account as collateral for a loan. So what I see a lot of people doing is utilizing your taxable account as the collateral to purchase something else. So for example, you could pay for your child's wedding with that as a collateral and you could get a loan for 40% of the value of that account. Let's say the account is $200,000. Now let's say you take out a loan for a hundred thousand, half the value of the account, which is usually the max. You could take out that loan free and clear $100,000 for your very expensive wedding for your child, let me just say that, and pay that down as you see fit. Um, of course, there's going to be a minimum interest rate, but it's a really quick and easy way to get a personal loan and you're using your assets, your stocks and bonds and your basket of securities as collateral. Um, that's a really cool way to not have to tap into the principal of your account and into your personal cash. So I see a lot of higher net worth people who have investments use this method. You cannot use it with a retirement account. So if all you have are retirement accounts, that's not going to work. But I just wanted to mention it because I've done this myself um, to fix up our house. Back in our hometown, when we sold our home, we did utilize our personal investment account as collateral. Took out a loan, we're able to fix up the house, and when we sold the home pretty quickly, we just paid off the entire balance of that loan. So kind of a cool thing. Just wanted to make sure you guys are aware you can do that because it's not well known by most people. Okay, so that's secured debt. Something is securing your debt. Unsecured debt means you have nothing to secure the loan that you're taking out. It's going to be possibly harder to get the loan or just much higher interest rates, okay? So for example, a credit card is technically unsecured debt. 
A credit card is very simple to get and you can go out and you could even make up something about your income and probably get a credit card. They're assuming you have the ability to pay on that card. But the caveat is that the interest rate is insanely high. It could be 18%, could be 20%, could be 22%. Um, and what most Americans don't realize is it's very easy to get caught up in that kind of debt if you don't pay it off right away. Because the interest rates are so high, you get caught in a cycle of barely even being able to pay the minimum. So credit cards, student loans, which is the number two highest level of debt in the United States right now. Uh, personal loans, they're all unsecured. So these are riskier than the secured debt because the only thing backing you up is your ability to pay. So what is your ability to pay? It's the income coming in the door right? Or the amount of savings you have. So credit card debt is the third most popular type of debt in the United States. Number one is mortgages, which is we're going to talk about in a minute. Number two is student loans. And number three is credit cards. Yes, truly shocking that student loans are even higher than credit cards, in my opinion. Um, but student loans are unsecured debt because you don't really have anything backing up your ability to pay a student loan. The only thing backing up your ability to pay is your skill set and your, your job, whatever job you get when you graduate. And unfortunately, again, there's not enough education on student loans. They're way too easy to get. You can get a student loan and sign your life away. It's age 18, but you can't drink alcohol, which I think is insane. You could literally take out a $200,000 loan, but not be able to drink. I, I just think that's absolutely wild. Um, anyway, student loans are considered unsecure because there's nothing backing you up, right? Maybe your parents could be the co-signer on that, which puts them in a difficult position. Um, and often often you do have to have a co-signer, but then it would just be their ability to pay that's backing up the loans. So it's really up to you what you do with debt, right? There is no one size fits all. And I realize that there are some people that think, that capitalism is the devil and I'm not going to get into that conversation because I want to just point out that it's still your choice, right? You get to choose what level of debt you take on. And there's a lot of creative ways to reduce your debt burden. You know, I have a friend who's been working on his PhD for a decade and he made sure he didn't make the same mistakes he did in grad school and, and ensured that he was able to get scholarships and have his PhD paid for, right? There are ways to do it, but most people are not educated on this. And so I have so much sympathy and love for anybody out there who's struggling with really high levels of this unsecured debt, because it is so difficult to get out of. And do I think our society needs to change? Absolutely. Um, but I'm trying to just talk about this in a way where you understand before you take on debt, how to use it responsibly, right? Don't just go out and sign something and expect you're going to be able to pay it off immediately. Look at the return on that investment, okay? So secure debt most likely is going to have a better return over time if you're smart about it and you do your research. Unsecured debt, not so much. Um, personal debt like a car, an auto loan, that's not an appreciating asset. So there's really no return on that investment, okay? Unless you're planning to keep an antique car for 50 years or more. So when you're purchasing a car, keep in mind that if you're planning to get a loan for that, an auto loan, 
you are paying for something that's already depreciating over time. And by the time you've paid it off, it's lost a tremendous amount of value and you're about to have to turn around and do it again. So a car is rarely an asset. And yet I see people driving around these fancy schmancy vehicles and people have no business taking on that level of debt. The only benefit you're getting from taking on a car loan is the enjoyment of your vehicle. So I would say if you really love your vehicle and it's worth every penny to you and you don't mind paying a car payment the rest of your life on it, great. But if you are somebody like me who is trying to use debt responsibly and lower your debt burden, but also increase your net worth more quickly, when you purchase a car, pay attention to how much you're going to have to spend because those car payments can be really, really high. And you're not getting anything out of that other than the enjoyment of that vehicle and the moment. And it's also depreciating. So you're not going to be able to sell the vehicle at a gain. You're going to sell it at a major loss and you may even still be paying on it when you sell it. So think about that before you purchase a loan that is considered personal debt. Consumer debt would be a mortgage. Oh, there's one more payday loans, payday loans, You may have heard of these before. This is a way to get through a crisis. They have ads all over television. There's usually at least one shop in every town that offers payday loans. These are completely predatory loans with insane interest rates and fees and hidden caveats. So please, please stay away from payday loans. These are used to take advantage of people who are in a crisis. The best way to avoid a payday loan is to keep an emergency fund so you do not ever need to pull out or ask for a payday loan. You do not want to access payday loans if you can help it. Okay, so revolving debt, credit card can be considered revolving debt, but you can also get something like a home equity line of credit. This is a really cool way to access the equity in your home. This is how a lot of people pay for updates and renovations in their homes. So what happens is you take out a mortgage on your home, which is basically a loan for anywhere from 15 to 30 years and you put money down on that mortgage and then you start to build equity, which is just ownership in your home. As you build ownership, let's say you purchased your home for $150,000 and now, and you took out a $150,000 loan, but now it's worth 300,000. You can access $150,000 of equity in your home because you own 150,000 of it. You're still in debt and $150,000. So that extra money, that equity, can be used to invest back into your home in the form of a home equity line of credit. You can even use that extra money to purchase a second property, which is what some people do. I have also used a home equity line to renovate a home. It was a great experience. The interest rate was relatively low. It was able to fix up the house with no problem. And then you pay on that home equity line of credit um, just like you would any other kind of loan, but what's nice about them is sometimes they don't have a time period on them. So you can just pay as needed, pay the minimum until you can pay off the whole thing or whatever your your plan is to pay off your debt. The problem comes in with debt when you don't have a plan. And I think most students don't take out a student loan with a plan. I think most people don't take on a mortgage with a plan or even a credit card with a plan, and a plan is key. Before taking out debt, the question to ask yourself is, what is my plan for this? 
How am I going to pay this off? And does it make sense to keep this revolving and paying at the minimum, or does it make sense to pay it off as quickly as possible? A good rule of thumb is that this consumer debt, like credit card debt, needs to be paid off as quickly as possible. Student loans need to be paid off as quickly as possible. That I consider kind of bad debt that needs to go. Good debt would be mortgages and real estate. So that can exist for a longer period of time because that mortgage and that property, the collateral on the mortgage is an asset, your net worth is still growing over time, right? So I'm looking at, you know, how is this going to benefit me over time? What's the return on the investment? How am I going to pay this off quickly in five years and 10 years and 15 years? And how much interest am I going to pay over the life of this loan? And then lastly, does it make sense for me to take out this loan or does it make sense for me to save in a sinking fund and purchase this item outright? Now, because car loans, interest rates are so low, most people are opting to get a loan rather than purchase something in cash outright because you could invest that cash and make more money and interest, right? And then just pay off the car as quickly as possible. But everything exists on a strict spectrum when it comes to debt, right? You could buy a really expensive car and put yourself in a really bad situation. Or you could buy a more moderately priced car and be able to afford that payment comfortably and still grow your net worth over time. If you're not able to save money, if you're not able to eat and live off of your discretionary income because your debt levels are too high, it's time to make a change. Unfortunately, in America today, many, many people are living with these high levels of debt, which would be considered anything over about 40% of your pay. And that's just not really a great life, right? When you're in debt to someone else, it does feel like a form of entrapment. So whatever you can do to free up more money, to save the money, to invest that money and grow your net worth over time, the better off you're going to be. So in a way, yeah, the phrase no debt, no threat makes complete sense because if you have no debt, you are purely free. You have every opportunity to make decisions for yourself. And so aiming to pay off the bad debt as quickly as possible makes sense for most people. And heading into retirement, if you ever plan to retire, it makes sense to have as little debt as possible. Because when you have less debt, you're able to increase your net worth over time. There are a few times where I think having debt makes sense. Um, When you have a fairly high net worth and a high level of income, you're probably going to have more debt because you can use the debt as leverage. So if you can use debt as leverage, you can help your business grow faster. You can increase your access to new opportunities. You can increase your access to more income streams. If you take on a business loan and you can hire someone or you can increase your marketing efforts, you can increase your income, right? So that's when debt is useful and it's a positive. When it allows you to build equity in a home or asset over time, positive. Um, The wealthy use it as leverage, like I said, with that taxable account. You can use it to gift money to someone else or to purchase another property without having to touch your principal and your hard-earned cash, right? And I see the wealthier the person, the more likely they are to use debt and not touch their principal to allow their principal to grow over time. Because the wealthier you are, the more excess to debt you have. So taking on debt can certainly improve your professional status and education if you choose wisely in your profession. Um, And it can also help you manage your cash flow more effectively. 
So, you know, you can decide, do I want to have a $200 car payment, a $500 car payment, a $1,000 car payment, or no car payment, right? I get to choose. And cash flow is going to be a little more tight the more expensive car I buy, or I could just save and put more down, put more cash down to have a lower payment. So you can kind of play with debt and use it and spin it as a positive in your life. Um, But I think the absolute best way to use debt is to build wealth without having to tap into your savings and principal. And that's why these HELOCs and these loan management accounts that you can use on taxable accounts are really excellent ways to utilize debt. And of course, small business loans. The negatives of debt, we've already talked about some, but I'll add a few more. Entrapment, feeling like you're a slave to the system. Um being required to do whatever the lender tells you to do. For example, I was required to purchase a very expensive flood insurance policy on my home because I live on a river. I was not happy about it and they just threw it on me randomly. So not cool. Um, Borrowing lowers your credit score. So every time you take out debt, it's going to lower your credit score temporarily. Taking on debt requires a down payment in a lot of cases, not for credit cards, but for, you know, auto loan, for a mortgage, sometimes for a home equity line, it requires a down payment and sometimes a lot of processing fees. Um, Debt can be restricted when it's too high. So if you, for example, are purchasing a bunch of properties to rent for rental income, you're going to reach a limit where you can't purchase anymore because your debt levels are too high based on your income. Um, So you're actually restricted in accessing new debt. Um, This happened to a lot of people during COVID who had, who purchased a lot of rental properties and were running Airbnbs because what happened? They had high, high levels of debt. They purchased maybe five or 10 rental properties and they had all of them going at once. And then COVID shut down all of the short-term rentals overnight. So imagine having 10 properties all with a mortgage and no way to pay it because the income stopped coming in. This is a huge risk in owning a lot of real estate, right? There's, it's not all good. Um, if you have too many loans, if you have too many mortgages, this is a big risk, right? When, when the debt level is too high and your income drops suddenly. So that risk of default, losing that cash flow is in a lot of cases completely devastating to businesses and a lot of businesses who had short-term rentals went completely under during COVID. Um, Debt lowers your net worth, guys. So what does that mean? We talked about net worth before. I'm going to remind you again what it means. Net worth is assets minus liabilities. Debt is a liability. Okay. Any level of debt, any loan is a liability, including credit cards. So your assets, all of your values of all of your accounts, your mortgage, the equity in your home, minus the debt equals your net worth. So if you have a lot of debt, you're going to have a potentially negative net worth, which is not great. You want to build that over time. That is the true measure of wealth, right? Financial wealth. Sorry, there's a lot of other measures of wealth, but financial wealth, net worth is it. I know a lot of people who invest in real estate who don't understand this concept. Okay, they keep purchasing real estate for the income, which by the way can be temporary and it's not guaranteed. And on paper, they have nothing. They own all of this real estate, but they have mortgages on all of them. And they have a completely negative net worth and they've been doing this for a decade. So be careful about doing things like that. Be careful about taking on high levels of debt 
and not saving and not building up taxable and retirement buckets in addition to whatever real estate you purchase. All right, and the last negative debt that I want to talk about, the last negative of debt is debt is expensive, okay? You have to pay interest on that debt. Lower interest rates like auto loans and mortgages, maybe not so bad, but over time that interest really adds up. And if you take out even a 30-year mortgage, you're going to pay sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt over the purchase price. That's why cash is always king. And when I say cash is always king, what I mean is that using your own money is typically going to be better than taking on bad debt. Um, that's why calculating your return on investment is key. Before you take on any level of debt, calculate your return on investment and make a plan. A plan for your debt is the best way to reduce your risk. So before you take on that student loan, what's the plan? What do you think you're going to make realistically when you graduate and how long will it take you to pay it off? What is the interest rate and how much will you pay over time in interest? Before you take on a credit card, how do you plan to pay it off? I always recommend to my clients that you pay off the entire balance of the credit card weekly so that you don't ever carry a balance and have to pay interest. But if you use that credit card for a large purchase, what's the plan to pay it off? If you're taking on an auto loan, don't walk in that dealership and talk to someone without having already pre-calculated what you can afford based on the interest rates that you're seeing. What is the car payment that you want to pay? How much taxes will you pay? How many how much is the tax on the car? What are the unexpected expenses you might face when you purchase it? And how long will it take to pay off that debt? And what interest, what is the total amount of interest you will pay over time? How will you pay off that loan if your income drops? Okay, that's how you make a plan. You ask lots of questions around the debt that you're going to be taking out. What is the benefit? And what are the negatives of taking on this debt? If every American asked those simple questions, we wouldn't be in the situation we are as a country with these crazy high levels of debt. I don't believe that. And I also don't just sit around and blame the system and complain because I'm I'm well aware that the system needs to be fixed, but I'm also well aware that it starts with each and every one of us taking our own personal responsibility and looking at how we can increase our literacy around money and debt. Because if you don't understand that, of course you're going to make mistakes with it, right? That's why I'm putting this information out there for you guys. One of the most common questions that I get around debt is, what debt should I pay off first if I have multiple types of debt? So what you're going to want to do is pull out all of the statements on your debt and see what interest rate you're paying on each of them. There are other people in the finance community who disagree with this, but I'm going to tell you as a certified financial planner that you're always going to be better off paying down debt that has the highest interest rate because you are spending so much more money and interest on that debt. Whether that is the largest amount of debt you have or the smallest, it always makes sense to pay down the debt that has the highest interest rate first. 
Okay, so that means that you have credit card debt and the interest rate is 20% and you have student loans where the interest rate is 8% and you have a mortgage where the interest rate is 3%. You want to pay the credit card debt first, then the student loan debt, then tackle the mortgage debt. So again, there are different opinions out there, but that is mine as a certified financial planner. Another question I get is how can I calculate the return on investment? I've talked about the return on investment multiple times now. So there is a calculator on bankrate.com that I really like. It's called the debt pay down calculator. I'll put this in the show notes. I'll link to it. Um, so rather than have to get out your calculator and do everything manually, it really makes sense to use one online. And what I like about the bank rate debt calculator is it will take into account consumer debt as well as personal debt. So mortgages, credit cards, auto loans, all that fun stuff, you can calculate the return on investment for your debt. Okay, next question. Okay, so one last thing before we end this conversation on debt. I know it's been long. Hopefully it's been helpful. How can you avoid getting taken advantage of when taking on debt? Because this is a predatory industry. Why? Because debt is a moneymaker. It's how banks and institutions stay afloat. It's how mortgage companies stay afloat and how they make massive amounts of profits. So the question is, how can I take on debt prudently without being taken advantage of by people who are trying to make money in every industry across the board? So if you're heading to get your first mortgage, what you want to do is go ahead and calculate what you can afford based on your numbers, based on how much money you are bringing in the door. So calculate, you know, 35% of your take-home income, calculate 30% of your take-home income, see what that looks like, and then back into a number that you can afford on a home factoring in taxes and insurance. Because if you walk in a mortgage loan officer's door, their job is to sell you the largest mortgage they can. They are not fiduciaries. They are not here to do what's in your best interest because they don't even know your personal situation. They're going to ask you for a few numbers and do a really quick rudimentary calculation and then tell you, oh, well, actually you can afford this $500,000 home when in actuality, maybe you really can only afford a $250,000 home based on your current expenses. You know, if you have children, if you have childcare, if you have high levels of expenses or other types of debt, you're not going to want to take on the maximum amount of debt possible, but they're going to try to sell you the maximum amount of debt possible, right? It's their job. Nothing against mortgage officers and loan officers, but that is how they make money. So your best course of action is to pre-plan before you start visiting bankers and mortgage loan officers to figure out what you personally can afford. Don't ask them to calculate it for you. Okay, that's the worst thing that you can do. Now, with that said, a financial planner who is a fiduciary has a very different job. What I do is take all of your numbers, all of your situation from a holistic viewpoint and say, hey, 
this is what's in your best interest because I have no skin in the game, right? So it's also a great idea to talk to a coach or talk to a planner who is actually a fiduciary, which meaning that we have to put the client first and we can help you figure out what's best for you. The same goes for getting an auto loan. If you start looking at cars in the lot and you see some really nice ones and the salesperson comes up to you and says, hey, want to take a test drive? And you take a test drive of the, the Porsche, right? And they go back in the office and say, hey, come sit down with me. Let me do a calculation. Let's see how much you can afford. Oh, oh my goodness. Look at this. Looks like my calculation says you can afford this car. And you're like, wait, what? Like I was coming here for a Honda. What do you mean? They're trying to sell you the most expensive car that they possibly can. The last thing you want to do is go to a car lot and ask them to do a calculation for you. So empower yourself. What is the maximum payment that you want to pay per month? How much do you want to put down on a car and what makes the most sense for you and your financial situation? Knowing that the more you put down now, the less you have to pay later and the faster you can pay it off. And then what are the interest rates? You can look up the average auto loan interest rates online in 20 seconds. So do those calculations and go in there with an idea of exactly what your budget is. And when they say, oh, well, here, do you want to take a test drive of this Porsche? You can say, no, that's out of my budget. And when they try to push it, you say, no, sorry, that's out of my budget. Because again, they're doing what's in their best interest. Now, when it comes to student loans, it's a little bit different. There are private loans and there are public loans. And while I'm not going to get into a super long discussion around student loans, I do want to mention that you also need to understand the differences because private loans are much more difficult to deal with than any other type of student loan. And there are predator predators and predatory tactics to try to get you to take on those private loans. So again, calculate what is the interest rate? How long will this take to pay off? How much can I expect to make when I graduate? What are the rates of employment in this particular area of expertise when I graduate? And back into a number that you're comfortable with because deciding on a school first and saying, well, I'll figure it out later without knowing how much money you may make when you graduate can be a massive mistake. Okay, because a private school could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, where a public school where you might even get a scholarship may cost 20000 or 30000 a year. So you get to decide, right, what you do. But if you walk into a school and go, oh my gosh, I love this so much, I have to go here without realizing what the cost is and what the rate return on your investment is, it's a pretty dangerous game. And that's what millions of Americans are doing and they're stuck right? They're stuck and entrapped in a lot of debt. So pre-planning is one of the best things that you can do before taking on debt. So just keep in mind that debt can own you or you can own it. Um, Debt is leverage. It does not have to be this really bad, terrible, awful thing, but it can be if you let it. Knowledge is always going to be your superpower, which is why I felt it was important to talk about debt today. Hopefully you learned something new and you are going to take a look at your own net worth and where all of your debt and liabilities lie and see what you could do to reduce that over time.
If you guys enjoyed this episode, as always, I would so appreciate a like, share, subscribe, and especially a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening and make sure to check out the show notes for the resources I post there in regards to mortgages, credit cards, student loans, and the debt calculator I referenced in the episode. Cheers.